Meet Idi Amin Dada, the cannibalistic dictator who expelled Uganda's 50,000 Asians and slaughtered up to 500,000 people. Idi Amin Dada, the murderous cannibal who ruled Uganda. One of 46 Idi Amin signs the Golden Book of Berlin as painter Walter Sickert, left, and West Berlin Mayor Kurt Neubauer, right, look on. February 1972. Two of 46 Amin enjoyed driving his own car whenever he could. He's seen here meeting recently released prisoners of the overthrown former President Milton Abate. The 50,000 cheering citizens didn't know yet that Amin would prove to be a much more abusive leader. January 28, 1971. Uganda. Three of 46 Idi Amin meets Israel's Prime Minister Golda Meir during a visit to the Middle East. Five years later, he would aid in the hostage-taking of hundreds of Jews and Israelis by Palestinian hijackers. Israel. 1971. Four of 46 Ugandan Asians grab at application forms to leave the country after Amin expelled all Asians from Uganda. August 15, 1972. Uganda. Five of 46 Ugandan Asians at Stansted Airport in London. This was the first of countless flights from Uganda to the UK after Amin's 90-day deadline for all Asians to leave the country. September 18, 1972. London, England. Six of 46 Idi Amin is sworn into office. The ceremony was supervised by Chief of Justice Sir Dermont Sheridan. February 6, 1971. Kampala, Uganda. Seven of 46 Idi Amin meets Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi. 1972. 8 of 46 Amin congratulates President Mobutu Sese Siko of Zaire on his victory. October 9, 1972. Kampala, Uganda. 9 of 46 Idi Amin renames Kampala's streets in a populist effort to unite the people against their imperialist past. 1974. Kampala, Uganda. 10 of 46 after Idi Amin's coup in January 1971, the cruelty of his intentions fully revealed itself. Seen here is ex-officer in the Ugandan army and alleged, guerrilla, Tom Masaba. He was stripped of his clothes and tied to a tree before being executed. Mbale, Uganda. February 13, 1973. 11 of 46 Idi Amin and Yasser Arafat of Palestine give a speech at Kampala Stadium. Amin, a convert to Islam, made many North African and Middle Eastern allies during his time in office. July 29, 1975. Kampala, Uganda. 12 of 46 four Brits carry Idi Amin into a reception on a makeshift throne. Amin was very vocal about the UK's abuses of power regarding imperialism in Africa. July 18, 1975. Uganda. Betman, Uganda 13 of 46. One of Idi Amin's many populist military parades in Kampala. July 29, 1975. Kampala, Uganda. 14 of 46 Idi Amin says goodbye as he boards a plane to Uganda after a visit to Zaire. July 5, 1975. Kinshasa, Zaire. 
15 of 46 Idi Amin inspects a crocodile captured by the locals. July 29, 1975. Kampala, Uganda. 16 of 46 Ugandans sit in color-coded seats and sections as part of one of Idi Amin's many military parades in Kampala Stadium. July 29, 1975. Kampala, Uganda. 17 of 46 Idi Amin and his new bride, Sarah Kyolaba, after their wedding. Amin had six wives, spanning from 1966 to 2003. August 1, 1975. Kampala, Uganda. 18 of 46 as celebrations for Idi Amin's sixth anniversary in power get underway, the general and head of state gives a speech to his troops. May 1, 1978. Uganda. 19 of 46 Idi Amin played a big role in the night's celebrations at Cape Town View, one of the general's luxury homes. May 1, 1978. Uganda. 20 of 46 Idi Amin eating a roasted chicken leg while watching a parade in Koboko to celebrate the seventh anniversary of his military coup. The Minister of Defense, General Mustafa Afrizi, is to his right. January 31, 1978. Koboko, Uganda. 21 of 46 Idi Amin holds a rocket launcher, surrounded by his troops. April 1, 1979. Uganda. 22 of 46 Idi Amin, decorated in every medal he's ever received, and given himself, points to an attendee at an outdoor rally. 1978. Uganda. 23 of 46 Idi Amin giving a passionate speech at the summit of Uganda in Ethiopia. January 10, 1976. Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. 24 of 46. After the fall of Kampala, the government opened Idi Amin's stores to feed the starving population. These people were in line for sugar, and any other food they could get their hands on. April 14, 1979. Kampala, Uganda. 25 of 46 Idi Amin and his son Mwanga, dressed as a commando, watch British author and teacher Dennis Hills be released on behalf of Foreign Secretary James Callaghan and the Queen's intervention. Hills had been sentenced to death for espionage and sedition following comments he made about Amin in a book he wrote. April 12, 1979. Uganda. 26 of 46 Idi Amin loved parades and parties, and never missed an opportunity to celebrate. He's seen here joining the dances at the party for his sixth year in power. May 1, 1978. Uganda. 27 of 46 reporter Ron Taylor addresses the crowd about Idi Amin's expulsion of 50,000 Ugandan Asians. August 21, 1972. Uganda. 28 of 46 Idi Amin wanted the skulls of alleged traitors to be displayed in full view. These were found by local farmers in the fields of the Luwero Triangle region north of the capital. 1987. Kampala, Uganda. 29 of 46 A convoy of African leaders and officials attending the Organization of African Unity Summit. July 28, 1975. Kampala, Uganda. 
30 of 46 this small child was one of many refugees returning to the Luero Triangle region north of Kampala in 1987. 1987, Kampala, Uganda, 31 of 46, Armin is dead, the newspaper read on August 17, 2003. His successor said he wouldn't shed any tears, while many ordinary Ugandans hailed him as the father of African business. August 17, 2003, Kampala, Uganda, Marco Longari, 32 of 46. British photographer John Downing managed to sneak his camera into a Kampala prison to document the conditions. 1972, Kampala, Uganda, 33 of 46 The Royal Air Force Bomber Command Base in Stradishall, Suffolk was offered to Ugandan Asian families on a short-stay accommodation basis after their expulsion from the country. September 15, 1972, Suffolk, England, 34 of 46 The first people to disembark the first plane transporting Ugandan Asians out of the country. September 18, 1972, London, England. 35 of 46 Ugandans peer into the closed shops owned by Asians who have been expelled from the country. 1972, Uganda. 36 of 46 Idi Amin cuts the cake after getting married to one of his six wives, Sarah Kyolaba, who was 30 years his junior. August 1975, Kampala, Uganda. 37 of 46 Idi Amin at the summit of Uganda in Ethiopia a few years before he lost power. January 10, 1976. Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. 38 of 46. Soviet teacher Yuri Slobodyanyuk teaches Ugandan students how to work the machines at the Center for Mechanization of Agriculture. This facility was built and staffed by Soviets. May 1976. Bustema, Uganda. 39 of 46 Idi Amin takes the plunge after attending the summit of Uganda. January 10, 1976. Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. 40 of 46. Idi Amin speaks to his people in Kampala. At this point, thousands of citizens were being killed for rebelling and being traitors. July 26, 1975. Kampala, Uganda. 41 of 46 Idi Amin takes a swim after hours of official business at the summit of Ethiopia. January 10, 1976. Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. 42 of 46. Idi Amin at a political conference in Kampala. July 29, 1975. Kampala, Uganda. 43 of 46 Idi Amin and his bride, Sarah Kyolaba, pose after their wedding in Kampala. August 1975. Kampala, Uganda. 44 of 46 Idi Amin loved cars, and drove himself whenever he could. He's seen here driving his Range Rover in Entebbe Airport. February 27, 1977. Kampala, Uganda. Asian refugees in Uganda. Why Idi Amin Dada, the butcher of Uganda, should be remembered with history's worst despots. He was known for his smile, but military dictator Idi Amin Dada ruled Uganda with an iron fist for eight long years, 
Those who celebrated the general's military coup that overthrew President Milton Obote in 1971 had no idea how violent and tyrannical the next decade would be. By the end of his rule, Amin had ordered the killings of an estimated 300,000 people. Some estimates peg the number as high as 500,000, out of a population of 12 million. Even though Amin, also known as the Butcher of Uganda, oversaw mass killings and extraordinary human rights violations, many Ugandans still cherish his legacy to this day. This speaks volumes of his success in fostering the image of a liberator, a man of the people ridding their homeland of its imperialist past. Idi Amin's story isn't fully encapsulated between the years of 1971 and 1979, though, in order to gain a semblance of understanding of the man's psyche, we have to start at the beginning. Idi Amin at Entebbe Commons Idi Amin Dada at Entebbe Airport, welcoming Vice President John Babiha, 1966. Idi Amin Dada's youth Idi Amin was born Idi Amin Dada Umi in Uganda's northwest, near the borders of Sudan and Congo. His exact birth date is unknown, but most researchers believe he was born around the year 1925. Amin's father was a farmer and a member of the Kakwa, a tribe indigenous to Uganda, Congo, and Sudan, while his mother was of the Lugbara people. Both tribes fall under the umbrella of what Ugandans call Nubian, and it's with the Nubians that Amin's loyalty would lie throughout his life. Amin's parents separated when he was very little, and he and his mother moved to the city. Amin enrolled into a Muslim school but he left shortly thereafter, only ever reaching the fourth grade. With an imposing height of 6 feet 4 inches, the ability to speak the local Kiswahili language, and lack of education, Amin was the perfect person for the British colonial powers to mould into an obedient soldier. So, as a young adult, he worked hard to garner the martial qualifications valued by the British, which had ruled Uganda since 1894. After enlisting in the army in 1946, Amin successfully stood out from his peers by focusing on his strong suit, athletics. The young private was an impressive swimmer, rugby player, and boxer. As an amateur, Amin won the Uganda Light Heavyweight Boxing Championship in 1951 and held the title for nine straight years. Meanwhile, in 1949, Amin was promoted from private to corporal. It was the first of his many notable steps up the ladder of power. Idi Amin's military experience though Amin would later use anti-imperialist sentiment to inspire public support, the early 1950s were a different time. Here, Amin would act in the opposite manner, helping the British maintain control of its African protectorates by fighting against the Mau Mau African freedom fighters in Kenya and rebel fighters in Somalia. He quickly began to garner a reputation as a ruthless soldier and steadily rose through the military ranks. In 1957 he was promoted to sergeant major and commanded his own platoon. Idi Amin and Miriam Eshkol Commons Idi Amin presents his lighter side to Miriam Eshkol, wife of Israeli Prime Minister Levi Eshkol, with a tribal dance during a party for the latter at Jinja military camp. June 13, 1966. Two years later, Amin was given the rank of Effendi, 
the highest rank available to native-born soldiers in Uganda. By 1962, Amin had the highest rank of any African in the military. Idi Amin and Milton Obote Despite his increasing military clout, Idi Amin Dada soon got in trouble for his ruthless ways. In 1962, after a simple assignment to root out cattle stealers, it was reported that Amin and his men had committed brutal atrocities. British authorities in Nairobi exhumed the bodies and found that the victims had been tortured and beaten to death. Some had been buried alive. Since Amin was one of only two high-ranking African officers, and Uganda was nearing its October 9, 1962 independence from Britain, Obote and British officials decided not to prosecute Amin. Instead, Obote promoted him and sent him to the UK for further military training. Milton Obote Commons Obote stopped trusting Amin after the latter failed to kill King Metuza II. More importantly, according to history, Amin and Prime Minister Obote formed a lucrative alliance in 1964, rooted in an expansion of the Ugandan army and various smuggling operations. Understandably, Obote's abuse of power upset other Ugandan leaders, most notably, King Metuza II of Buganda, one of Uganda's pre-colonial kingdoms, asked for a thorough inquiry into the Prime Minister's dealings. Abate responded by putting in place his own commission that essentially let him off the hook. Milton Abate's right-hand man Idi Amin and Levi Eshkol. Commons Idi Amin welcomes Israeli Prime Minister Levi Eshkol, 1966. A few years later, he'd expel Uganda's Israeli citizenry out of frustration from a failed arms deal. Meanwhile, Abate further promoted Amin to major in 1963 and to colonel in 1964. In 1966, the Ugandan parliament charged Amin with misappropriating $350,000 worth of gold and ivory from guerrillas in the Congo he was supposed to supply with arms. In response, Amin's forces arrested the five ministers who raised the issue and Abate suspended the constitution appointing himself president. Two days later, Amin was put in charge of Uganda's entire military and police force. Two months later, Abote sent tanks to attack the palace of Matessa II, the king of the Baganda tribe, with whom he shared power. The king fled the country, leaving Abote in charge of the government and Amin in charge of the government's muscle. Amin ultimately seized control with a military coup on January 25, 1971, while Abate was flying back from a conference in Singapore. In an ironic twist of fate, Abate was forced into exile by the same man he empowered. He wouldn't return until after Amin's terrifying reign. Ugandan kings at ceremony commons from left to right. The Amugabi of Ankole, Amukama of Bunyoro, the Kabaka of Buganda, King Matessa II, and one Nyachi of Lango. At the signing of an agreement between Uganda's kings and British governor Sir Frederick Crawford, ca. 1957-1961. Idi Amin, man of the people. Ugandans were generally enthusiastic about Amin taking control. To them, the new president wasn't merely a military leader, but a charismatic man of the people people danced in the streets. 
He wasted no opportunity to shake hands, pose for pictures, and dance the traditional dances with commoners. His informal personality made it seem like he really cared about the country. Even Armin's multiple marriages helped. His spouses were of various Uganda ethnic groups. In addition to his six wives, it is alleged that he had a minimum of 30 mistresses around the country. But the biggest boost to his popularity came when he allowed King Matesse's body to return to Uganda for burial in his homeland, abolished Obote's secret police, and granted amnesty to political prisoners. Unfortunately, Amin was not the benevolent ruler he appeared to me. Idi Amin voiced his thoughts on Israel in 1974. Idi Amin's brutal reign. In the shadows, Idi Amin Dada was busy creating his own, killer squads, tasked with killing soldiers suspected of being loyal to Robote. These squads brutally murdered a total of 5,000 to 6,000 soldiers from the Akoli, Langi, and other tribes, right in their barracks. These tribes were thought to be loyal to the ousted president, Milton Obote. To some, it quickly became apparent that Armin's man of the people persona was no more than a front to hide his true inclinations. He was ruthless, vindictive, and used his military clout to further his goals. His inability to deal with political matters in a civil manner was further highlighted in 1972, when he asked Israel for money and arms to help fight Tanzania. When Israel refused his request, he turned to Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi, who promised to give him what he wanted. Amin then ordered the expulsion of 500 Israelis and 50,000 South Asians with British citizenship. As Israel had undertaken several large building projects, and Uganda's Asian population consisted of many successful plantation and business owners, the expulsions led to a dramatic economic downturn in Uganda. All of these developments soured Armin's international image, but he didn't seem to care. A Thames TV segment on the 1972 expulsion of Uganda's Asian population. A brutal military dictatorship by the mid-1970s, the Ugandan dictator grew increasingly erratic, repressive, and corrupt. He routinely changed his personnel, altered travel schedules and modes of transportation, and slept in different places whenever he could. Meanwhile, to keep his troops loyal, Armin showered them with expensive electronics, whiskey, promotions, and fast cars. He also handed over businesses previously owned by Uganda's Asian population to his supporters. Idi Amin in 1973 commons Idi Amin in full regalia in 1973. More importantly, Amin continued to oversee the murder of an increasing number of his countrymen. Tens of thousands of Ugandans continued to be violently killed on ethnic, political, and financial grounds. His methods of murder became increasingly sadistic. Rumors spread that he kept human heads in his refrigerator. He reportedly ordered 4,000 disabled people to be thrown into the Nile to be torn apart by crocodiles. And he confessed to cannibalism on several occasions. I have eaten human meat, he said in 1976. It is very salty, even more salty than leopard meat. By this point, Armin was using the majority of national funds for the armed forces and his own personal expenses, a classic tenet of 20th-century military dictatorships. 
Some attributed Armin's cruelty to dizzying effects of absolute power. Others believed his reign coincided with late-stage syphilis. In his early military days, he was charged with failing to treat an STD, and in the mid-1970s an Israeli doctor who had served in Uganda told a Tel Aviv newspaper, it's no secret that Armin is suffering from the advanced stages of syphilis, which has caused brain damage. Despite his brutal rule, the Organization of African Unity elected Armin chairman in 1975. His senior officers promoted him to field marshal, and in 1977 African nations blocked a UN resolution that would have held him accountable for human rights violations. The Entebbe airport raid in June 1976, Armin made one of his most infamous decisions by aiding Palestinian and leftist militants who hijacked an Air France flight from Tel Aviv to Paris. A strong critic of Israel, he allowed the terrorists to land in Entebbe airport in Uganda and provided them with troops and supplies as they held 246 passengers and 12 crew members hostage. But instead of giving up, Israel sent a team of elite commandos to rescue the hostages in a surprise attack on Entebbe airport during the night of July 3. In what turned out to be one of the most daring and successful rescue missions in history, 101 of 105 remaining hostages were liberated. Only one Israeli soldier lost his life during the operation, while all seven hijackers and 20 Ugandan soldiers were killed. After an embarrassing turn of events, Armin ordered the execution of one of the hostages, a 74-year-old British-Israeli woman who had fallen ill during the hostage crisis and was being treated in a Uganda hospital. British documents released in 2017 revealed that the woman, Dora Bloch, was dragged from her hospital bed, screaming, shot to death, and dumped into the trunk of a government car. The body of a white woman was later found on a sugar plantation 19 miles away, but the body was too burnt and disfigured to identify. Armin's senseless retaliation further worsened his international image and highlighted his increasingly erratic behavior. Armin's circle of supporters grows thin by the late 1970s. Armin ramped up his destructive methods even further. In 1977, he ordered the killings of notable Ugandans such as Archbishop Janani Luwam and Interior Minister Charles Oberth Offumbi. Then, when the British severed all diplomatic ties with Uganda in the aftermath of the Entebbe incident, Amin proclaimed himself the conqueror of the British Empire. The ridiculous title was just one more addition to the dictator's godlike description of himself. His Excellency President for Life, Field Marshal Al-Haji Dr. Idi Amin, V.C., D.S.O., M.C., C.B.E., Lord of all the beasts of the earth and fishes of the sea, and conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general and Uganda in particular. But his title couldn't save him from a deteriorating economy. Prices for coffee, Uganda's main export, plummeted in the 1970s. In 1978, the U.S., which accounted for one-third of Uganda's coffee exports, stopped trading with Uganda altogether. With a deteriorating economy and popular opposition to his rule, Armin's hold on power was growing increasingly weak. By this point, many Ugandans had fled to the UK and other African countries, 
while many of his troops had mutinied and fled to Tanzania. Desperate to stay in power, Amin used the last option he had. In October 1978, he ordered the invasion of Tanzania, claiming they had instigated unrest in Uganda. Lake Victoria Palace Commons Idi Amin Dada's former palace in Lake Victoria, Uganda. The tyrant owned numerous luxury homes and vehicles, using state funds to enrich himself. In an unexpected turn of events for the despot, Tanzanian forces not only fought off the attack, but invaded Uganda. On April 11, 1979, Tanzanian and exiled Ugandan soldiers captured Uganda's capital, Kampala, overthrowing Amin's regime. Life in exile given his connections with Gaddafi, Amin at first fled to Libya, taking his four wives and more than 30 children along with him. Eventually, they moved to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. He remained there until 1989 when he used a fake passport to fly to Kinshasa, a city in what was then Zaire and now is the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Idi Amin died on August 16, 2003, after multiple organ failure. His family disconnected him from life support. Three years later, his character was famously captured by actor Forrest Whitaker in an Oscar-winning performance in the 2006 film, The Last King of Scotland, so named because Armin claimed to be Scotland's uncrowned king. Trailer for Last King of Scotland. In the end, the brutal dictator brought economic ruin, social unrest, and oversaw the murders of up to half a million people. There's no denying that his nickname, the Butcher of Uganda, was well earned. After learning about the horrors of Idi Amin Dada's regime, have a look at Ellis Island photos that captured American diversity. Next, check out photos of Chernobyl today after being frozen in time by a nuclear disaster.